You're listening to On The Move with Maki. I'm your host, Makisha Noel, or Maki for short. The goal of this podcast is to elevate the stories of diverse, multi-passionate creators in and outside of the marketing advertising industry. They are the ones who stay ahead of the curve in this ever-evolving world. So all episodes will provide listeners with the tools to help make decisions in their creative journeys while highlighting the trends shaping the internet in real life. Excited to have you here. Come on in. And we are recording. Hello, 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 hello. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of On The Move With Maki. I'm so excited for this special guest I have in the building. Thank you for being here and being a part of this journey. I just want to remind you what On The Move With Maki is about. I'm about using this platform to tell those stories of diverse storytellers, creators, movers and shakers, trailblazers, from visual artists to actors to those in the marketing and advertising industry because that's where I sit. That's where I spend my day to day. But I'm so happy to be able to bring people across the industry and especially in Miami as well who are making things happen. So without further ado, I want to introduce you. <laughs> I want to introduce you to my guest, Reina Noriega. Girl, I'm saying your name correctly. Please let me know. That was perfect. I have never gotten an introduction like that. And what? I think yeah, no other introduction will live up to this. I am shook. Cause listen, Reina is that girl. <laughs> I need you to know that girl. And I, I know image is not necessarily every single thing or like perception is not every single thing. But my girl is blue check mark verified on Instagram. Come on, y'all. Like her work expands all across, I feel like all across social media. Like when I came across your work, maybe in 2018, was it? And that's why I invited you to the Miami summit that I had in 2019. So I am just in love with what you put out there. And the fact that we're also going to talk about your book as well. I would love for some for someone to zoom in, but we don't have that capability. <laughs> but at the moment, the studio assistant is busy. There's apps for that. Exactly. We'll, we'll, exactly. Post production. <laughs> so Raina's a creative work centers around women of color. I love us. Being Afro-Caribbean Latina herself, positive representation is a top priority for her. And many can agree that Re that Reina's work fills the world with vibrant, joyful depictions of marginalized people. Her work has grace covers such as the Science Magazine and a New Yorker and thousands. This is not a joke, y'all. Thousands of people collect and showcase her art in homes in their homes around the world. She aims to not be a voice for the voiceless, but to lead them to use their own voice. I introduce to you Raina Noriega. <laughs> yes, yes. Let me get some music right there. We have some music for production. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that you're here. Like I'm just so shocked that you responded to me. Like, and I know your Instagram DMs are popping. And the fact that you are here today, thank you for joining me. Do you, is there anything you want to add to this bio? No, no. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. And being so professional, I mean, your whole process, I was blown away. So, oh, I'm thank you. Appreciate I try my best. I do what I can. I don't really have a whole team or whatnot, but we're getting it together. Thank you so much. Um, how I love to start our, in our conversations, our interviews, our sessions, whatever you like to call it, I like to know what is your North Star? What drives you when you wake up in the morning? 
you know, what, what, what moves you for you to continue the work that you do every single morning? For me, it's joy and peace. Um, I kind of grew up with rose tinted glasses, like thinking, mm. wanting everything to be perfect and just thinking that it would be. And when I realized it wasn't, it was very hard for me. So I've kind of spent my life just curating my environment and like making changes within myself to make sure that I can have sustainable joy, peace and happiness. And then now that's kind of what I want to feed other people through my work. Mm -hmm. I love that. And like the thing I immediately thought about when you said sustainable joy is that it's important for us to find um, contentedness or being content mm -hmm. in our day to day because this world changes so much. The stock market changes. The pandemic <laughs> shifted the whole world. Social media is a new algorithm every day. Like, I, I work in social media, so I see how much it changes every single day. But the thing that, if it can remain constant, is joy. Mm -hmm. If that is something that we can achieve, what happened? You know? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally, I think I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful world. So, sustainable joy is what drives you every single morning. Oh, my gosh. And so... Tell us about that journey, how you started. So Loki, hold on, let me say this real quick. I, I stalked, <laughs> I stalked Raina a little bit. So like I, I watched some interviews, you know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely know um some of that backstory. But for those who this is their first introduction to who you are, they've most likely seen your work, so your work has preceded you. <laughs> and the fact that they also can put a face to the to the work and to the the joy that you put into this world. Tell us about the beginning of that journey. How did you start? So my books and my art kind of intertwine in this way where my poems, like the first book dealt exclusively with love and like finding myself through love. And growing up, I kind of, I don't know if I, I can blame my parents, you know, my parents <laughs> met, had me and they've been together since and happy. Mm. And I kind of like thought that being um, with someone and I thought that having children, being a mother, all of that would define me and that would be where mm. I found my joy. And so each time, you know, I'm sure you know how how dating is. So each time I would be disappointed, it's like that um, constant f challenge of like, okay, I gave so much of me. Now I have to come back to me mm. and the things that I love. And I started realizing, okay, when I'm focused on me, when I'm creating, you know, when I'm writing, I feel good. I feel every morning I wake up, I feel good like this. Mm. And then it's like you meet someone and you're so excited and it's it's this. It's, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, you know, it's like, oh, my God, they're texting me. And it's, oh, my God, I haven't heard from them. Oh, my God, they said this. And, oh, my God, they haven't said this. Mm. So kind of like that back and forth eventually got to me to the point where I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't need this. Um, I want to pour more into myself. So that was kind of like the start of those questions in my head of like, how can you just give yourself happiness mm. that's constant? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good balance. That's, that's an interesting balance because see, now we're about to go way off, way off <laughs> the interview questions because the whole conversation about dating is I feel like happened so much in my life and just how I've learned through my journey in therapy. I was always so excited to say therapy. <laughs> That's my favorite topic, literally. But the journey of learning to love oneself mm -hmm. and putting yourself first and 
letting you being centered be that main constant and be that main thing because you being centered and you loving yourself is going to pour into other areas of mm-hmm. your life. So I think that's mm-hmm. so real. Cause I, they're talking to my homegirl today about this, about this dating stuff and it truly is up and down, but then again, that's life mm-hmm. as well. Um, so pretty much what brought you to artistry and choosing to wake up every day to do illustrations, to do the art, to do the writing. Um, I know that was also inspired by your parents in a way. And like like I said in my other interview, I have my mom here as my production team today as my supervisor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please tell us about how your parents also inspired you um, in, in your artistic journey. Absolutely. So growing up, I got to see my dad. Um, He played professional baseball, but he loved art. He was a graphic designer, visual artist. And so when he retired from the league, um, I got to see him kind of like creating things, creating logos, T-shirts, and then I would see it out in the world. So as a kid, I thought it was just like magic. Like I just saw this in Poppy's sketchbook and now I see it, you know, on this building or whatever. And so... um, that feeling made me feel good. And I think my whole life I've kind of like collected feelings that feel good Mm. and tried to like come back to them. So um, eventually, you know, I grew up, you know, in school and I I had those doubts of like, I can't draw, I can't do this and that. So I I didn't really touch art or like dive into it until my junior year. Mm. Um, And then that's when, you know, I, I just took it so that I could have fun. I was in the IB program. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with International Baccalaureate. It's like... Wait, what schools did you go to? Coral Reef. Coral Reef okay. High School. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I think they have IB at like North Miami High or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I went to NMB. I ain't going to North Miami High. Oh. Let's, let's make that clear. Let's <laughs> make that clear. <laughs> I went to North Miami Beeps. Okay. Not that rival school. Swamp Ooh. Dogs. Ugh. Ooh, I'm sorry. I but said it. <laughs> I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the IB program is like... AP dual enrollment on steroids. It's just Mm. like kind of insane. So for my elective, instead of doing AP psychology, I was like, let me do art so I can have fun. So Mm. I didn't expect to be like good at it or anything, but I got so much like encouragement from my classmates and my friends. They were like, wow, like you're really good. I was like, am I I really good? So Mm. from there, you know, it was just something that I love. Like when I had to study hard and I was stressed out, it's like I could know that I could take a break with art and be like, no, 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 mom, I'm doing homework, mm-hmm. I'm doing homework. So, um, so yeah, so my dad, you know, that was kind of the start. And eventually, I guess maybe we'll get to that later. But when it was time for me to resign from teaching, my mom encouraged me that she felt like I could do it full time, like I could do art full time on my own. And I wasn't there yet, you know, in my confidence. Wow. Um, but I am grateful, you know, that they they support my dreams and they never tried to tell me to be practical or be mm-hmm. safe or mm-hmm. anything like that wow that's so beautiful i'm like i'm, I'm like low-key getting emotional because like your mom and i i've also grown up with my mom encouraging me to go after what i want mm-hmm. and seeing her also go after what she wants and being persistent with that has been so inspiring for my journey so i love you mommy i'm gonna say every interview i have um but I think that's so beautiful. Even when you didn't have the confidence in yourself, your mom saw something within you and pushed you to go for it. What kind of what kind of teaching were you doing before that? Were you teaching art or like mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, I was a high school art teacher. So wow, super unexpected career path. Um, yes. I was a substitute teacher throughout college because it was flexible. You know, if I didn't feel like working, I just didn't have to take on a, another person's class. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did, I could. So 
they knew that I was interested in art and they just kind of asked me to fill in because the art teacher quit like the week before school. She was like, yeah. no, I want to move to North Carolina or something. <laughs> so, so yeah, I came in just to fill in for a couple of weeks until they found somebody permanent. And I loved it so much. And the kids wow. loved me so much that they asked me to stay and I stayed. Yeah. And can you share like what that time frame was? I know people are probably asking like, Cause obviously, like you, you blown up, like like you're, you're freaking there. So, like, what I'm wondering is how long was that time period between you starting to teach art? Cause you studied art in high school, mm -hmm. right? Or like a, as a part of the I, IB program. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and then you went to college. How long? So was that like three, four years that you're four years? Yeah, so four While years. In undergrad. Um, four years of undergrad. I applied for visual art and I got scared. And I ended up doing psychology. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I minored in art and English. Just like I was like, if I ever want to do it, at least I have some experience. But I graduated in 2015 and became an art teacher um, like by accident, like I told you. So I never ended up using my psychology degree besides for the way that I approach my students and I mm -hmm. approach people today and communicate and stuff like that. Um, but it's really, yeah, it's interesting how that kind of unfolded. Mm -hmm. Nice. So that was about a few years. Nice. Oh my gosh. I just want to sit in that for <laughs> a little bit because I, I think that you're literally a manifestation of what if I did it? Like, mm -hmm. what if I tried it? And then not only the fact that art came to you, oh Lord, like girl, cause I'm trying to really relax, <laughs> but the way that art teaching came to you as a mistake mm -hmm. but yet there was something within it that you saw like you took advantage of that moment but also yeah community mm -hmm. around you that also pushed on all fronts mm -hmm. you know you had you had what you needed and that's so so freaking beautiful um and so i can imagine at the beginning of your journey of well let me ask this girl i'm all over the place <laughs> at what point at what point did it become a business because at first it was, I just love doing this. I love teaching this. You know, at what point did you also like, like you were in the work and said, I want to make money from, like, have you ever thought about wanting to make money from it or? Yeah, I think I had to battle a lot of self-doubt. I had the advantage of seeing somebody make a living from art. So my dad, once, like I said, once he retired, he was a full-time graphic designer and any like day job he had was art related, you know? So mm -hmm. Um, I knew that it was possible to some capacity. Now, did I want to do what he was doing? Not necessarily. He focused on what he loved. So he loved sports and athletics. So he did a lot of that type of artwork. Mm -hmm. So I had that kind of like example. And then the students and like working at the school gave me a lot of confidence as well, because it kind of like it pushed me. I was not only teaching art to my students, but I was starting clubs for them to keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. I was organizing events. I had to make flyers for those events. And then other teachers and other clubs would ask me to make those flyers. Same thing with t-shirts. I was designing t-shirts for my club and then yeah. other clubs and, you know, and then eventually they put me as the head of the yearbook. So I, I kind of had nice. to take on that responsibility of designing the yearbook cover and formatting it and all of that stuff. And, um, when you're it's like when you have a job and somebody's telling you to do this or even if they're not forcing you but your boss expects something of you mm -hmm. you don't say no i can't i'm not that good you you have to kind of like figure it out mm -hmm. so 
people had asked me for a long time before this, like, can you make me a logo? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I had always kind of been afraid to fail. So I would be like, no, not really. I, you know, like I can recommend you to somebody or, you know, and I was just making drawings and keeping them for myself, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that kind of showed me to just like, just do it and it works yeah. out and you can do it. And so little by little, I started taking on more logo clients and I was making t-shirt designs for people and flyers for parties and events and, mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And you know, one client becomes two clients, two clients becomes yes. four, four becomes eight, you know, and it just kind of multiplies through word of mouth through sharing what I was doing on social media. Yes. Like it kind of, it takes a while for it to click to people. Like you post one artwork and you think everyone knows you're an artist and then in reality you can post your hundredth piece of art and somebody will say oh you made this and you'll be like <laughs> what you been at <laughs> i've been posting stuff all year what do you mm -hmm. mean so um so yeah that's kind of how it kind of built up um over the years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow i love how literally all this is like so natural and it's just flowing <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm just I'm just I'm just really shook about the whole journey, how you can be in one place in life and it could probably feel like that's where you might be forever because mm -hmm. you're already in your gym, like you're loving it. Mm -hmm. And then things just completely switch over. So now being not you're not only just like an artist that's just like, you know, doing work that you love, but like you're also being commissioned by like the New Yorker, <laughs> you know, like you're being commissioned by these magazines like what is, how does that feel, you know, to be able to have your work literally reach millions of yeah. people? And like, how do you also like, um, how do I say like manage, manage those relationships? Because you're not only focused on the creative part of it. There's also a business part of, mm -hmm. to it where I'm sure you're like negotiating contracts and having to read through those things and, you know, having those co conversations. Like, how do you kind of balance that or make that work for you as something that's creative but also something that's also a business yeah yeah and you said something about flow and i like that because i'm the queen of flow mm -hmm. mostly because my anxiety would never allow me to just be like jump do it mm -hmm. you know like i kind of need to prepare myself mentally to have the confidence and the patience and all of that so that i don't you know you don't want to overreact or or anything like that so yeah throughout the whole process i was learning and absorbing and just kind of like getting comfortable with different things and figuring different things out. I always tell people the story that as a teacher, I felt like, okay, you give them, what is it like nine months of your life? And then you have mm -hmm. three to yourself. And that's the three months that you can make anything happen. You know, yeah. like summer is a time to do everything. And my first summer as a teacher, I feel like I slept through it. I feel like I didn't have like really a schedule. So I was waking up 12, one in the afternoon eating something, walking mm. my dog. By the time I knew it, it was like five o'clock and too late to get anything done. I was like, yeah. it was time for dinner and sleep. <laughs> and so I watched that whole summer pass by and I was like, okay, next summer, this can't happen. And for that to not happen, there has to be some discipline. That means every time your friends call, you can't go out. You can't wake up at 12 just because you don't have anywhere to be. You do have somewhere to be and you mm. do have things that you want to get done. So I appreciate that because when I did finally resign and go full-time it was not easy mentally like mm. I couldn't travel because I was constantly afraid of like what if I never get another commission you know what if mm. I have to make this money stretch 
for months like things i didn't have to think about as a teacher yeah um all of a sudden i'm having to think about while performing while being all on my own and not having anybody to ask like am i doing this right am i negotiating right am i Mm. charging appropriately so it's like you have all of these thoughts no one to share it with all of these worries nowhere to put them um so for me it was very important to like pace myself Mm -hmm. wow that is that is real and i I don't hear those stories enough about like having to just figure out those things on your own. Like we think that artists just wake up and say, okay, (laughs) you know, like the money, the money is coming in. I'm doing the art. I'm making things happen, but we don't think about all those other pieces and how much more you have to protect yourself mentally and protect your well-being so that you Mm -hmm. can continue to produce as a thing that you love but also a thing that's monetized. And mm-hmm. I, I say it that way because, like, over the years, I, I feel like I've always been a creative <clears throat> from a very young age. But I started to turn my love for creativity into a business in 2018. Um, and so there was also, like, this narrative on social media, which it still happens now, but it, it felt like it felt stronger at that time where it's like, Everything that we do well, we felt like we had to monetize it. Mm-hmm. That's definitely how I felt about myself. I was like, oh, I love brand strategy. Like, let me let me be a coach. Let me do this and that. And, like, y'all are getting the real real because, like, I have not said this on social media. Like, I definitely feel like at the time that I started teaching myself brand strategy, what did, it didn't necessarily mean um, I needed to make it a class mm-hmm. or needed to monetize it or needed to do A, B, C, D. Thank God, though, the way that the journey worked, it created a platform for me to speak to people and inspire people. And I think that's definitely what I do well and what I feel purpose to do. But at the same time, I had to learn that not everything needed to be monetized. Um, But the fact that people can continue to monetize the things that they love and still have that peace, I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, It's a blessing. Yes. And you have to be open, I think, God has a plan for us, whatever you believe, the universe, there's a plan for us if we allow ourselves to flow. Mm -hmm. And so I try not to be too hard on anything. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of narratives out there, um, whether it's in turn of like internships or like free work or undercharging. I have no regrets. Even if I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I charged that person 50. It should have been this. It should have been that. Mm -hmm. Because every opportunity gave me a new skill, a new strength, a new um, relationship. Mm-hmm. that I needed and you know all of my college unpaid internships like reinforced my love for art it introduced me to the right people yes. um I interned with Art Basel in college and so when I went to Basel in Basel Switzerland for the first time I think nice. in 2018 mm-hmm. I was able to call somebody from the same like company that I was working with and they were like yeah we have somebody that's going to be in Switzerland she'll show you around you can work with her the lady I didn't even want to work I just wanted to experience it and the lady like paid me to stand with her at their booth or whatever and I was yes. like not only it's it felt so good to be yeah. in a country I'd never been before you know mm. Switzerland don't speak the language and to like know somebody on like a business you know, like someone that respects you or what or whatever. Not, it's not like a homie. It's like this is someone that can say like, yes, she worked for us, whatever. That felt really good, and that to me, that moment was priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will never tell anyone like, don't let anyone take advantage of you. But value comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and mm-hmm. it's not always a monetary thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm an. 
for the people in the back that didn't hear, like I, I, I need y'all to hear it again. Um, that there are things that you value that. Oh shoot, girl, I got it. <laughs> value comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. Value it's comes. Money. Yes, value comes in a lot of a lot of shapes and sizes. And I'm curious to know. And ooh, we we do have several minutes. About like mm, ten. <laughs> 13 10 13 minutes and they about to charge me for another mm-hmm. hour but um i do want to know your thoughts about the future um if that's something that you've been exploring as well um in my household my brother is always talking about nfts and it's exhausting oh. to hear him talk about it all the time but i do think there is a point that is interesting about artistry is that now you know, we go to art shows or we go to galleries and like we see the arts on the walls and like it's a physical experience. And like you also at times can also talk to the artist. So now with us moving towards a world, it feels like rapidly moving towards the world of Web3 or like the metaverse. How do you see visual artistry kind of existing there? Like right now, um, I'm, I'm actually not sure if you have like in-person shows where you displayed your art, um, but like, how do you see artists kind of moving into that world or into that universe? <laughs> I guess you could say because the metaverse seems like a universe, literally. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of feelings about um, the metaverse NFTs. I've spoken about some. I will say that when we think of eBooks and books that you can hold in your hands, I don't think that eBooks have canceled out. Um, the look and the feel of being able to like hold something and follow with your finger. Like, I don't think it will happen. I don't think that a virtual reality room of art will be being able to see a piece in person and be able to tell the materials that the person used to even smell some of the chemicals from the paint, like performance art, all of those things that you want to see, touch, feel in person. I don't think it can take the place of that. Um, I've expressed that I'm not really into NFTs based Mm. on the toll on the environment, based on the fact that I enjoyed digital art because it was a space that everybody could enjoy. Galleries tend to be um, not only classes, but kind of just like we don't feel welcome there. You know, Mm. like it's kind of like you have to be in a certain in crowd and like the art that's prioritized is is not our stories as black people, Mm. black and brown people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, unless it's like posthumous, right, it's unless it's after death and then it's like they want to own everything and they can sell it and resell it and we have no parts of that. So um, digital art felt like something that we could all like enjoy and understand and partake in. And I think not that it being sold devalues it. It just feels like it once again becomes something that the elitists have Mm. you know access to and then there's the people who cannot buy it that are just like oh i wish i could partake in that Mm -hmm. and that didn't feel good to me personally um i think covid showed us that we do want to have alternatives if there's a time where it's just not safe to be around each other we can't like as much as we want to kick and scream we can't do in-person shows it's nice to know that you can build like a space virtually Mm -hmm. um I, I like that thought. I've, I've toyed with the thought of like a metaverse um, studio or gallery or something like that. I just mm. like NFTs themselves just have not sat right with me yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've, I've also heard that part of it as well. Um, I don't do as much research into NFTs. <laughs> Let me just give it on it. Um, but I will have to because I have clients that are interested in NFTs like at work. 
Um, but I think that is that is a very good point. I've heard that part of it before where um, it does like creating NFTs uh, creates like a larger uh, carbon footprint or something like mm -hmm. that on the world. And so if people are continuously, um, what is that thing called? Where they're using like this generator. Like the minting, to, minting of the, the pieces. Yeah. And like they're creating all of these pieces. That yeah. is what causes the impact on the yeah. environment. And the problem to me is that we have so many issues in the real world and it doesn't seem like anybody with the power and the resources to do so wants to fix it. They're like, okay, so in a few years, the world is going to go to crap. So let's just get everyone hooked on the internet where they mm -hmm. can pretend they have a life that they don't and yeah. they have the joy and the peace that they don't. And to me, that's like, that's not what the core value of my work is. It's to make sure that people's reality, like you're happy in reality with mm -hmm. what you have. You're not escaping it. So I think mm. in that sense, it's like, when we think of the money, like everyone's argument to me is like, but you could make so much money. And it's like, yes, but there's so many people who right now can't afford rent. Rents mm -hmm. are sky high. There's nothing in the grocery stores. Like the world is a very scary place. And to me, I think it's disrespectful to be like, oh, but I can own this thing that I don't really own because I can't even touch it. It's just kind of in the server that could disappear tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that that's just like. Oh, very, very icky to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a lot of it is about hype, mm -hmm. you know, and like people, people are like, for example, buying products in the metaverse as well, just to say that, oh, I have this, mm -hmm. you know, just to look cool in this space, but not really understanding the ramifications of being of being in that space. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so I am about, okay, how can I make some money? Like, I'm sure you, mm -hmm. you've seen the real, where they're like, how can, I, how can I make this money? How can I get to the money? How can you what? How can I get to the money? So, like, money has been obviously a driving force for a lot of people and the reason why people do things. But I think it's so refreshing to hear the perspective of about, well, how is this impacting the people around me? How is this impacting those who don't have? Mm -hmm. Because my personal opinion about um you know certain things about the metaverse and nfts is that um a lot of it is about access to and like technically information is free online and like most people can access the internet but there is a large part of our population who don't get it who don't have access to no, it no smartphones no internet connection exactly and by the time that it does hit them by the time it, it is a reality of, oh, this really does impact my day to day. What what do they have in the universe? You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. a, lo a lot of does that universe, what do they have in the metaverse? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the metaverse is about like owning real estate as well and commerce and all of these things. And so it's like it, it I, I too have used the <laughs> word icky <laughs> for yeah, it as yeah. well, you know? I think we ask a lot, like what we can do, what we can, like you know, what we we're capable, of, what we're capable of doing, and not whether or not we should, whether or not it's ethical. And to me, I never want to sacrifice that. I think you know, we even if we see stocks, like I felt the same way. I loved when you know we got more knowledge about what we could do with stocks and investing and this and that. But a lot when I looked into like the crazy things that were happening, like the GameStop and like that yeah. type of stuff. And like, um, what do you call those people that the day traders and mm -hmm. stuff like that? It's just also felt icky because it's like people who can afford to gamble 
are gambling and making tons of money mm-hmm. whereas other people like don't have anywhere to live or sleep or you know so there's certain things that um even my parents like looking out for me will be like oh you should get property you should get you know you should rent properties out and and I'm like no I don't want to be someone's landlord and like have to evict people like mm-hmm. that just that doesn't sit right with mm-hmm. me and I think that's kind of what the basis that this country and the economy was built on it's like how can we keep a lower class so that they're dependent on you know the in, the instability that we're creating like yeah. I don't believe for a second that we have to live the way that we do mm-hmm. um so when I see things being added to like inf- reinforce that I just I'm like stop please yeah yeah please <laughs> but child, the, stop. right i i i think what's the beautiful thing is that we can create our own worlds in different ways and that we don't necessarily have to be attached to all the things that are happening um although this thing is coming like mm-hmm. the metaverse nft all like these things will for sure impact the way that we live going forward um but i do think it is beautiful that we can create our own spaces and so I, I I have to transition to the conversation about the book. <laughs> I am so happy. Thank you so much for for gifting me this this copy. Um, this means a lot that I'm able to just kind of get into your musings and how the pandemic has affected um, affected you, and you use that in a way to produce something so um, so beautiful. So. I'm I personally am on like my own healing journey because I was like I said I like to talk about therapy I like to talk about it um but the fact that you created this and like I said my birthday is coming up and I will definitely be on the beach reading this as well in my journal um but I want can you please tell people about my cocoon why you wrote it um and just what inspires you to continue to put out this this work yeah so I realized that Part of the reason I'm able to go so far is because I have a lot of gratitude for my journey and I see everything, every obstacle as like a teaching moment, a moment of preparation. And so when I look at things with that lens, it's like I'm always on my way to something. It's never like this is blocked, Mm. like I can't get anywhere from here. And so when I look to my left, when I look to my right, when I look at my friends and the things that they struggle with, I realize that's the only difference. It's not that... um, I'm not smarter. I'm not better. I'm not more talented. It's just that I can slow down and look at my journey and say, okay, this is preparing me for something or I need to get better here. So the best way I could think of to share that and to show people that they're not alone and that their journeys are not like unique, uh, like they're, you know, um, was through these poems that kind of serve as insight to my thoughts and the way that I grow through things basically because mm-hmm. you can see if you read from the first book to this one like i'm so much more like level-headed i have so much more like, gratitude i know about boundaries now like mm-hmm. those are things yeah where i used to be like just a giver i'm a giver 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 and you're mad at the world because they don't give the same mm-hmm. when in reality mm-hmm. you just have no boundaries mm-hmm. you know oh see that that's another episode because like I that's something that I've had to learn for myself because what people don't realize is that like the lack of boundaries thing it, it comes from childhood trauma that we may or may not be able to recognize and then that ends up affecting us personally professionally in different spaces that we're in but that's a whole, that's a whole another conversation um but as I said I'm still digging into the book um but when I did flip it open there was one part that I came across on page 217, um, this 
excerpt. Should I call it excerpt? Let's excerpt? see. Let's see. Okay. I, I, I love this. It's called Thank You. And the title alone, see, the title alone really, really moves me because I've had to learn that I need to, not not that I need to be grateful because I need to do it, but it's more so like, yo, I have, I have no choice. Like, all the things that I could have experienced in life, and there are some things that have touched me, you know, in life, but the fact that I'm still standing here and still able to have conversations with people and still able to live my life and work and make money and like go after my dreams. I, I literally have no choice but to be grateful every day. And I also think it's like a natural, just a natural thing that's a part of me. But anyway, so it's <laughs> called, it's called, thank you. <clears throat> I'm about to read this thing. And you let me know if you want to read um excerpt as well. Actually, that would be beautiful if you could read one of your favorites, but if you want, if you want. Okay. So, <clears throat> so thank you. To anyone that has awoken anything within me, thank you. Whether it was good or bad, is beautiful. I feel beautiful. And one way or another, it's because of the mirror you held up to me. Hi, yeah, yeah. Come on now. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, like, I think it's so easy to go through life. And like bad things can happen to you because, you know, people wonder like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, it's because it's life like that's just where we are. But the fact that we're able to look at bad situations or bad experiences and still say thank you that I that I, I this allows me to learn more of who I am and what I need and what I want mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah I think it's a beautiful thing no no it is and before you know when I was in the cocoon I was in quarantine at that point I was like I, I told you kind of like my dating story where I was at the point finally where I was like I treat myself so good I'm so happy with myself like finally I, I didn't care you know mm-hmm. but in reality what was happening was since I lost that attachment to like oh my god I hope I meet someone oh my god Mm. that I was able to see things more clearly and I beat myself up for a long time saying that like I I wasn't good enough in this way or like I should have known better in this way and when I started taking note of everything I was like no at every stage in my life I did the best that I could with what I knew Mm. and like I have to be proud of myself for that and at the same time all of this time that I'm saying I wasted, like one day I, I really, I sat down with my journal and I listed like all of my ex-boyfriends and I was like, this prepared me for this. This prepared mm. me for, and everything, it was it was something that ultimately for my ultimate partner, like I needed to, I needed to know how to navigate. So it's like, can I say it was wasted time? No, it was the experiences that I needed and it was a part of life. But like when you're so stuck in that mindset, it's like, oh my God, I failed. I failed again. I failed. I failed. I failed. It's never mm. going to happen. So that was important for me. And I think even in the space of friendships, once I was able Oof. to expect pe- <laughs> accept people as they are and kind mm. of let them go if they're not in the same place, like wow. it gave people room to grow mm-hmm. and for both of us to grow, you know, because you're not kind of weighed down by the resentment and the, the pain of like, oh, my God, how dare you not be the person I mm. expected you to be in my mm. head? You know, you kind of let them do their thing. <laughs> Yo, hold on. Wait, can we have a part two one day, please? Because like, no, I'm I'm so sick. Are you in therapy? I actually, I had my first appointment last week. So I need to make my follow-up appointment. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. My heart is so full. I'm so hungry right now, but my heart is so full. (laughs) You have said some value. Uh, we only have literally like one minute. Okay, we gotta close. We gotta say let, let me let me go ahead and, and close out the podcast and then we can like, you know, finish what we were saying. I want to thank y'all so much. Like 
as y'all can see, I want to continue this conversation. I thought we're all we're only gonna be talking about artistry, which technically this is still art. I feel yeah. like the art of living. Yes. And learning yourself, learning to accept people for who, who, who they are, learning to accept yourself as well. Ah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so so much for tuning in to this episode with Raina Noriega, <laughs> visual artist and author. You are listening to. On the move with Maki. I'm going to see you next time. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Yeah.